1: Welcome to the sound Logic Podcast. two guys with no credentials. Reviewing Rolling Stone 500. Greatest album.
0: hello friends Uh, welcome to sound logic podcast today we are discussing album number 79 I can't believe we're closing in on number 80 here Um, (laughs) this is blonde by Frank Ocean
1: yeah I'm really excited first of all that that you're here with us thanks for joining us once again and i don't want to talk about it too much now but ben i'm really excited because this is a really uh, a brand new artist for me entirely and uh there's something uh really thrilling yeah to me i mean i i could go you know i could go online and just find artists i haven't heard of but mm-hmm. you know to have something that's you know acclaimed like this and that we're studying with a little bit of intensity um and that it's brand new and we've never heard it is is pretty cool and fun and so so the, it's been uh just listening to it in the last few weeks and preparing doing some just some minor research has been been pretty neat and exciting and, and a new experience so uh, yeah. i'm, I'm kind of pumped in that sense
0: absolutely well and i think the other piece of this and we kind of fumbled through it a little bit uh, at the end of the last episode but this is a genre that we haven't really ever tackled here in this project too so not only is it new to both of us and pre- pressing play for the first time is always exciting it's like uncharted waters we've we've got nothing really to compare it to i mean there's right. there's maybe some peers but and we'll get into that but uh it, it is it does really sound different than, yeah. than anything we've tackled so far
1: so with all that said i think we need some details to get started here perfect Details, 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 details. Okay, so Blonde was released August 20th, 2016. So it's less than six years old. Uh, Written primarily by Christopher (laughs) Bro, That's the birth name of Frank Ocean. He's now officially legally changed his name to Frank Ocean. Um, It charted very well when it came out. It debuted number one in the U.S., Number one in the UK, and went to number one also in six other countries. To date, it's sold 1.3 million copies. And you know, as we get to these newer newer releases, Ben, the charting gets gets so, or not the charting, the the sale, the units sold gets so interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's not mm-hmm. it's not just about album sales anymore, which was the way we did it for years through LPs and then cassettes and CDs it was all, you know, an album and now with streaming and digital downloads it's I don't know how they tabulate it all but <laughs> and sa- and and physical album sales of course have gone way down. So we don't see some of the big 5 million, 10 million, 12 million, 20 million anymore really even for some of the popular releases. Right. right. But anyways, 1.3 million in less than 6 years is certainly nothing to laugh about. <laughs> A very right. successful album. Right. Um a few notes on the album and, and I encourage you to you know go listen to some Frank Ocean learn about Frank Ocean if he's a new artist to you he certainly is to me um, he's a relatively new artist this is his second album this is a follow-up to his uh, highly acclaimed 2012 album Channel Orange so he he announced not too far after uh, sorry not too long after uh, in early 2013 that he was working on a new album And he did. He started working on it, and it took him over three years uh, to complete it. It was, for a long time, the project was called Boys Don't Cry. And I think that's obviously very appropriate because there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of the themes on the album really reflect Ocean's personal journey, and it's a very personal album. Uh, the themes in the album around uh, him dealing with his masculinity, emotions, uh, inspired by his sexual experience, heartbreak, loss, trauma—you know—references to relationships, to drug use, to um, to mental health issues, all sorts of stuff, and, and it's very you know i'm not saying that everything he says is is a personal anecdote but it feels very very personal yeah including words from his mom of all people so yeah was that an actual recording from his mom apparently okay okay i, I, I hadn't gotten that far because there is a, an interlude track where it's a it's a you know a, a voice it sounds like a voicemail yep. from his mom uh, about the dangers of drug use in college Yep. <laughs> um <laughs> On a, a track called Be Yourself. So, yeah, the boys don't cry, you know, I think because he deals with kind of the ideas of masculinity and gender and all these things. Now, you mentioned earlier this is a new genre for us. And I'm wondering what you what you meant by that, because, you know, when I first listened, to, it, I said, well, is, is it pop? Is it R&B? What is it? The album has been categorized as avant-garde soul. Is that what you, <laughs> is that what you were referring to? Yeah, well, and and really, I mean, we've certainly
0: referenced hip hop albums. We've certainly um, had some R and B and some you know rap, including Gangsta rap, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of those elements would be present here. But this really doesn't sound sound like anything no. we've we've tackled. And I, I yeah, avant garde soul is is not something I'd seen. I don't think until I saw the Wikipedia entry for this album. But right. I think it it helps cl- crystallize something in my mind that i was like I, I don't even know what to hold this up to like maybe yeah. kanye maybe kendrick it's not even a fair comparison to hold him up with those two two folks although ironically they're both involved in the creation of this yeah, album. right <laughs> <laughs> and
1: and you know good um it's a good time to mention many 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 people involved oh in goodness. this album well-known people uh, mostly on the the production and writing side pharrell williams kanye west We've got uh, James Blake, we've got uh, Beyoncé
0: on a track, Um, there's samples from The Beatles, Mm -hmm. Stevie Wonder, there's work here by Andre 3000 from Outkast.
1: Lots of other people who I think are are well known in the the industry. Uh, Tyler the Creator, who I've certainly heard of, I'm not as familiar with him and a guy who shows up on, on many tracks uh, Buddy Ross, who's someone I'm not familiar with but anyways, like I said earlier he's the primary songwriter for pretty much every track but also almost every track has, you know, someone else a guy named James Ryan Ho better known as Malay uh, is is on you know, probably half a dozen tracks so yeah, lots of lots of guests and many people contributing to this, this album, there's a uh, high production value
0: which is fascinating for an album that feels really really stripped down
1: it does at times does not
0: it most tracks just have one melodic instrument Mm -hmm. or sample they're not very layered it's not like there's a whole bunch of instrument tracks and yet there's all these people involved and i you know it makes me wonder like i can't pull out the beatles reference on white ferrari i can't i didn't know it was Beyonce until I figured out
1: which track she was on you didn't hear you didn't hear the Beatles thing no spending each day of the year from oh, so' it was here, a lyric. Here and everywhere
0: it was a lyric or it's not a sample
1: it's not a sample it's it's what they call an interpolation it, ah. he lifts just one line from that okay. song and puts it into a verse the 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 line I don't think he uses that melody on every verse in the song but on that I think it's like the third verse he uses that melody in just the the line before that and then does that and and as he sang it I thought Oh, I know. I know that. That's from that's from Here There Everywhere.
0: We're we're getting dangerously into our thoughts about the album but I know, I, think I know. The contrast of someone like Kanye who you know, retreats to Hawaii or wherever, and just it keeps inviting people to make each song fuller, more robust, more oh complicated, and more complex. It feels almost like Frank Ocean invites people in, gets just a little tiny bit of them to like, yeah. like as a like a little dusting of uh, seasoning on the on the top of the track. Right? Um, yeah. Very, very minimalistic
1: and stripped down in comparison. Uh, really, yeah. really interesting. but Anyway,
0: we'll get we'll get more to that later on. I'm sure
1: yeah along with that and and i made some notes here but i think it's appropriate to talk about them now you 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 mentioned that um very stripped down i noted that uh only i think i didn't four or five tracks have percussion yeah the rest don't so it felt very uh almost ambient uh, lots of atmospheric and environmental sounds frank ocean has listed uh influences for the album uh brian wilson and the beach boys the beatles of course stevie wonder we mentioned all those so lots of kind of older influences yeah you
0: know, and, like and recorded at ago. electric lady studios and uh, abbey yes. road studios which is wild. yes
1: yeah. <laughs> amazing yeah i could hear some newer influences but i'll talk about that a little later so when the album came out uh received widespread acclaim uh critics critics praised uh, ocean's introspective lyrics and the album's unconventional and progressive sounds uh critics also complimented the album for challenging the conventions of r&b and pop music And certainly there's no doubt it's very different uh, compared to what what was coming out at the same time time magazine named it the best album of 2016 which is pretty impressive that it came out in August so it wasn't like it came out in January and they'd had the whole year with it and in 2020 Pitchfork named it the best album of the decade so lots of accolades there how this album was
0: launched definitely made me feel a little old okay (laughs) (laughs) and i'll say a bit more about that the album uh as you mentioned took a while to create was referred to originally as boys don't cry what happened was uh, a live video was launched on apple music which showed uh an empty music hall it sort of like spurred a bunch of fan reaction and wondering what Frank Ocean was doing is this the second album and then there were like videos of people coming in and doing woodworking and uh randomly playing instrumentals and, and and things like that sort of at the end of this weird live video it was announced that that was part of a project called Endless which was a 45 minute long visual album right that uh sort of led then to uh, so the fans thinking, oh, okay, so we've got what he was working on. This is it. And and it wasn't it. It was sort of like a, a little fake out because then the album came out just a, a little while later. Right. And I, I just think that's so, so interesting, the sort of like the double take. And I think that <laughs> uh, the album was released exclusively in iTunes, not Apple Music. Uh, okay. So, you know, I, we've talked about the shifts through time from... The different packaging and, and ways that albums are recorded I, I don't know that we've had an album yet that didn't come out at least on release day in some physical form it was just right. a, just an itunes album hmm. um, so wild to to think about that uh even for guys who are who still like to think about themselves as somewhat young uh, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it, it just feels feels very modern to, to just say it's going to be an, an apple mu- music exclusive so yeah you know those things i think set the context for this really is a more modern album just in terms of the like the the, the way it was put out there into the ether feels very different than most of what we've talked about so far
1: yeah absolutely and and, and i'm still getting used to some of these new and creative ways to release music and groupings of music my my and Frank he Ocean's another artist who has time. just released a lot of different you know singles and visual m- visual albums and music videos and all this other stuff it's, it's very interesting you, he's obviously a very creative artist so speaking of creativity we, we get this someone. very interesting album cover again from I from guess even in the digital the world like <laughs> you still right need an image Yep. To go with your music, so we have one here. The first thing that I noticed, and please, if if you're not familiar, just go and Google the the album cover. First thing I noticed is that "blonde" is spelled without an e. Now every yeah. everywhere I can find, you know, whether it's on Spotify or Wikipedia or anywhere on the internet, the album is, you know, when it's listed anywhere, is spelled the traditional way of spelling "blonde" b l o n d e. But on the cover. In all lowercase, it just says blonde, B-L-O-N-D, no E. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really find anything on that. <laughs> I don't know if you found anything. Um, why that is. On top of that, it's an image of Frank Ocean on the cover, and his hair is dyed green. <laughs> not blonde. Not blonde. <laughs> now, I know it, it refers to not not just the hair color. There's There's a different idea there. But it, it's a pretty compelling image, uh, Frank Ocean—a uh, close-up of his face and upper body, his hand covering his face. You can't see his face at all, other than his forehead. Mm-hmm. He's in front of a tiled wall, which uh, makes me believe he's in the shower. There's water droplets on his body. We could imagine perhaps he's crying, or you know, which again is that you know the, the whole. I think up Boys to, don't cry. Very close to when the album was released, I still think it would. I got this sense that it was going to be called Boys Don't Cry. So the fact that he's crying on the cover, or could be crying on the cover, is you know again just yeah. this flying in the face of the the traditional masculinity and all that stuff, right? Yep. Uh, and and the lighting, the light is is directed from one side, you know, from his left side, so it, it's very harsh shadows on his right side. So it's it's a very it's a very compelling image. That isn't the whole cover. That's just a like a picture. It's almost a a vertical uh, two to f- or one to two ratio almost yeah you know a narrow image that i guess would fit into our TikTok tock uh, <laughs> world now that everything's just mm-hmm. a vertical <laughs> image now but it, it's it's kind of centered and it's just a light gray on the outside of that border on it and then underneath is a barcode um and i'm not yeah. sure what that bar on the bar front c- of the album. on the front on the front But well, i think that's very intentional um, and I was reading somewhere I think that has something to do with boys don 't cry as well, and then in other images you 'll see beside that is the the uh parental advisory <laughs> yeah uh there which which I guess is a part of the actual art, but is is there anything jump out to you on this, Ben? The other
0: weird thing about this album as if there wasn 't enough little oddities is that there 's an alternate cover oh, right. of him wearing like a race car suit at a track, yeah still spelled blonde without the e on the end um but you can't really see his face and no he's got a helmet on it's because you can't see him crying i don't know <laughs> i'm intrigued by the the cover of him with the green hair it almost makes me think like a blonde hair dry hair dye gone wrong or something like that sure That's why yeah he's upset um you know to sort of just look at it really surface level but for an album that tackles uh, identity sexuality space in the world conveys a lot of emotion
1: yeah absolutely
0: you know the spelling of blonde aside it 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 does really like pull at something there when i look at it and uh it's really interesting
1: absolutely and 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 it i i'd have to be honest it had me intrigued yeah as i as i you know clicked on the album and saw that and clicked play the first time i was like boy what what is this? You know, what, what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah. So um, yeah, really, really neat. And I, I think we've talked about, um, you know, some covers that just don't match the album at all, or, or mm-hmm. we just can't figure out what it has to do at all with the album. This one, as abstract as it is, uh, it does fit very well. I think also he has like a bandaid on his index finger. Oh, looks like look, it looks like a bandaid. You're right. See. Yep. And you know, another, i'm not sure if we've seen this before like you're a solo artist and you know there's so much like ego and all that stuff and it's mm-hmm. uh and you're right on the front of the cover and you can't see his face like <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so different it's so it it contrasts uh, other other ideas of of solo artists of r&b artists hip-hop artists for sure you know on the front with you know Uh, new baseball cap and gold chains and you know grill and all the you know a car all this stuff and this is very different to that yeah (laughs) yep are you ready uh, you ready to get into the music yeah of this yeah let's dive in (laughs) like I said before I had no idea my only point I have one point of reference I'm a pretty big or for a long time I was a pretty big John Mayer fan meaning I bought every album until maybe his most recent album I think I bought every one pretty much right after it came out and it was his sixth album uh, Paradise Valley that has like an interlude track that features Frank Ocean and it's just it's mostly just like a vocal interlude very little instruments uh, with a beautiful vocal from Frank Ocean And, and you know I'm like with wikipedia and liner notes i love to read you know oh who's singing on that who's playing guitar in this what do i hear it was like frank ocean and i never really looked him up but i just so when i went to listen to this all i knew was that he was a vocalist that's it nothing else and there's something refreshing about that because i feel like almost everything we're going to listen to we've developed some sort of bias through just seeing a video or it's a meme or (laughs) <laughs> or we've heard it on the radio or there, there's a the, the artist is in the media for doing something stupid or, <laughs> or or you know they wore this at an awards show and for me to not that I'm have my finger on the pulse of pop culture but we're so inundated by it to come across something that you really have no point of reference for is kind of refreshing to listen to it with unbiased mm-hmm. ears, so that's what happened for me. I pushed play, and I was like, "I have no idea." And when I did push play, it was very, very different. And the and again, the, and I've said this before, but the biggest thing was just how stripped down it was. And um, I know you had asked me, and my wife had asked me, and other people like, "What do you think of this album you're listening to?" Because they know I listen to albums for for the podcast. And I think what I said for the first few days was, "I really." St- don't know what to do with it <laughs> you know we're we're as people we're trying to we, our, our brains are, are programmed to try and categorize things and put yes. them play especially males we we like things in boxes you know we'd like to put things in our minds and i was like i don't know where to put this <laughs> i don't yeah. know what this is and you know which is funny because i said to my wife it's funny that we have to we feel the need to put something somewhere to enjoy it instead of just saying I like this, you know, whether, who cares what it is, like, or where it belongs, so to speak, do you like it or not, Yeah. but where we have this compulsion to say, but where does it belong, (laughs) where do, where does it go, so that was, I think, the first hurdle for me was, like, just didn't know, and I think a big thing was, you know, having no percussion on so many of the tracks, and just feeling a little lost at times, I feel like a lot of the songs were not particularly melodic i I wouldn't say they had no melody but weren't didn't have you know that hook that we expect in a a pop tune yeah um in the same way or like you know that kanye west with you know these riffs and samples and and all this stuff that just grab you this is not that so so that was the first thing i noticed
0: yeah can i say a little something along those lines absolutely
1: Uh, before i keep rambling
0: I felt the same way And so I went on YouTube To to hear other people review this album Oh okay And I, f- cool. I came across a, a channel Which I thought was kind of a neat idea A, a younger or Maybe late teens or early 20s Kind of dude sits down with his dad And presses play oh, okay. on his favorite albums To get his huh. dad's take on it huh. And his dad said the same thing you just did I, I don't know where this belongs Hmm and i the more i listened to it the more i thought yeah he's playing with time signature he's playing with song structure he's playing like a lot of the songs start out and you expect them to build to a bigger crescendo you expect the band to come in or you expect something else to start when, to happen and it does the beat gonna drop when's, the when's beat it gonna drop <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it never so does <laughs> almost every track on this album plays with our assumptions
1: right. um, yeah, that's a in a way point. that,
0: that um, I think is really clever but also makes me it leaves me feeling uncomfortable because it almost sounds like something and then it's not like mm. <laughs> he, he leads mm. you somewhere and then like pivots and yeah. just when you think you might know what pigeonhole to put him in it, it, it goes askew and you know, that first track, the album kicks off with uh, Nike's, right? Nike's.
1: The only single. It's the only single from the album. The
0: only single. And he's got his voice smushed through like a high-pitched mm-hmm. helium sample that that sounds totally different than the rest of the album. And I thought, like, the very, very small idea I have of Frank Ocean does not make me think like Tiny Tim, High Falsetto. Is this really mm-hmm. who he is? And then the next track is totally different. Yep. it's almost like he is aware of what we want him to be and just takes a step back from that all mm. the way through <laughs> mm. Uh, mm. just enough to like play with, with your assumptions And I like that this father-son duo who we're are we reviewing it, um, the son said just give it some time dad I, I felt just like you the first listen and it has taken me a long time to sort of really start to appreciate some of these songs. And I, I've found that too. Every, yeah. I, I think I've only made it through this album maybe three times, but every listen has been better. And I don't think it's just because it's more familiar, but I think it's because I'm starting to see with each listen how he's playing with me. And, <laughs> and I kind of, I'm intrigued by that yeah. Uh, yeah. in a way. I don't know that I like that manipulation <laughs> I, I'm, I'm impressed by his genius and i see what he's doing sometimes but i i crave a bit more familiarity in it uh, as as i'm listening so yeah i think exactly what you said is spot on and it's taken me a while to kind of unpack maybe even
1: more of what that's really about i love your insight there and that you know kind of i never thought about it that way kind of kind of teasing us uh yeah. <laughs> playing with our expectations and i think you're totally right even genre wise like yeah psychedelic pop yeah is that, is
0: that one of the avant-garde soul psychedelic pop avant-garde soul which
1: is i never heard of that
0: there are moments where i think better comparison would be like bonnie ver like really stripped down mm. modern yeah, some, of it, some of it for sure yeah <laughs> uh you know because he is really a vocalist and he's a minimalist when it comes to sounds alongside and I think there may even be a. Actually, I think that Beatles-inspired uh, track, uh, "White Ferrari," fades out with the lead singer of Bonnie Bear doing a, a fade out. So it's the the oh really? It's not too much of a stretch. Yeah, but um, there's things here where just when you feel like you've got the genre figured out, it you know the next track feels even even more different. Like, yeah, it's it's really fascinating.
1: I wanted to come back to what you said a little bit. About the first track, Nikes and the, the voice through the pitched up through the compressor there, and I heard a lot of contemporary influence as well. So right off the bat, you know, Kanye with that that chipmunk soul that he yeah. I wouldn't say necessarily pioneered, but certainly got it going, popularized in the early two thousands. And we hear that we heard that you know, um, the a Butterfly starts with that, yeah, with with the voices all um, modulated. I heard a lot of uh, Drake you know a lot of the drake drake is does goes a lot back and forth between rapping and singing or or singing through autotune yep i think drake would be probably uh a rapper first frank ocean was more of a vocalist first i think but but a lot of the way he delivers is more rap or spoken word Mm-hmm. So I, I hear that Dre. I hear uh, Justin Timberlake. You know, in, in the vocals, um, and and you know, it was in uh, I think 2006 when I've talked about this before when Timberlake came out with "Sexy Back," which had that it was all modulated. That was one of the first hits that had a really modulated vocal, mm, um, and yeah. it was kind of like this. I remember hearing. I know I said this in another episode, hearing him say like, "This is the future," and I was like, "Are you kidding? <laughs> no way." And and now it's all like almost all of it, you know. Yep. Is yeah. and not just you know not just touching something up with an auto tune or just you know just we've done that for years, but totally changing the the vocals. Like uh, really really popular and trendy still happens all the time. So we we hear those influences. throughout it you know the 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 older ones the beatles all that stuff and then the newer ones as well um which is really really cool
0: yeah it's so it's so interesting the way that he weaves that all together we talked about a rhythm track drum Mm. kit being so absent when when it does come in on the third track finally there's some familiarity but they don't really feel like we ever get to a chorus on that track so it's like finally we've got the the song structure that I imagine this should have, but it never kind of like completes itself, <laughs> and and then you get to the next track and you're like, oh, okay, we're we're back to no drums again.
1: Yeah, I find it very brave and courageous. <laughs> yeah, and and also a, a, a lot of patience. Yeah, I'm surprised that solo wasn't like the the hit single, you know, because mm, I think solo yeah. is such. It's got that feel, but like I'm listening to it going like, I'm sure they had a beat on this at some point like it, it almost yeah. deserves it, it, it oh. almost
0: sounds like it wouldn't have been that hard for him to be an usher oh. style r&b singer to just fill it out the way everyone else does absolutely
1: <laughs> and and even in that track like it's not even like you know there's something very rhythmic like a yeah bass guitar or a heavy a heavy left hand on the piano or acoustic guitar it's all kind of like pads on the synth yep just yep. moving that moves the tempo along mm-hmm. yet i feel like if i if i close my eyes i can i can put a beat in there like it could go in and you you could easily have done it and he didn't like it's mm-hmm. such a bold statement very intentional extremely very. intentional and and again very just very i think very brave um you yep. know that's a, a i'm surprised and and that i did remember what i was going to say talking about influences and you hear some of the rhythmic influence of an act like Outkast, and mm-hmm. Solo uh, has using r- the voice
0: as an instrument. You mean like?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and just just the way that Outkast, with their, you know, they're known for being one of the uh, one of the fastest rappers. Mm-hmm. I guess both of them really. The yep. Of... But when you listen to their Daddy stuff, certainly the well, all their stuff, but their oh, early God, stuff too, coming out know, of Atlanta know, and, and just that southern style very different but their way of using rhythm syncopated rhythmic lines not you know not just yeah. the standard kind of thing very very different and then of course this the reprise of that song solo uh is really more of an interlude but featuring andre benjamin uh, andre 3000 rather his performance and his style fits so well on this <laughs> album because because he's also a guy who, who you know he's he's again a, probably a rapper first but he also sings but when he sings like on a track like hey yeah which is you know one of their biggest hits it's somewhere between rapping and singing and i feel yes. like frank ocean yeah. does that a lot on this album it's rhythmic almost like a spoken word and it, it's it's got a tonal quality but it's not like rapping, which is it's sort of just a lower, almost monotone. And some rappers play with pitch a little more than others. But this is almost going the other way from you know, a traditional vocalization on its way to a rap delivery, but stuck somewhere in the middle. And Andre 3000 comes in with, with a verse that's not just a straight hip-hop verse, but it is melodic, but it's still not really a, a vocal uh, singing line. Yep. It's, yep. it's really well done. And 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 lyrically, and we haven't got to the lyrics yet because as we, we're not really <laughs> lyrics, guys, but, but he says solo a lot on the interlude, but it's, if you were to spell it out, it's the two words S-O-L-O-W. I'm so low yep. that I can etc 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 it's just it's very well done i mean there's there's some again albums we listen to where they have guests on that just complement the feeling of the album so well and and i was just the first time i heard it the first you know maybe 10 seconds i didn't even realize that it was someone else at first because <laughs> i was like i was just vibing along like yeah because he does different things with his voice right yep. throughout the album yeah. so i it wasn't out of place to me you know you' you're over halfway through the album and then i was like hold on that's not frank ocean and i, I listened close i was like wait that's andre 3000 hang on a sec you know like wow <laughs> um so yeah that was that was something that was kind of a highlight on the album for me and really really uh really well done i really
0: thought mike that the first time you brought up solo was gonna be to say this is the first slide whistle we've had since uh bob dylan <laughs> Is it a slide whistle? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's like this wild whoop kind you know, of sound that, that just interjects almost randomly. Uh, do you have someone in best, your your family really who, best could,
1: best. who could do that? Like put their two fingers in their mouth and and whistle? whistle? No. I, f- I felt like someone in your... F- your dad can't do that, can he? No. Oh, he, maybe my dad. But I think everybody has met someone in their life who can do that <laughs> thing where they put two fingers in their in their mouth and and do that that's what it sounded like to me yeah it could be a slide whistle <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: draw some parallels here since this album isn't weird enough to, oh, to Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah so lyrics we should probably mm. as much as it's something we usually gloss over we should talk about it and and i will say mm-hmm. similar to you how it, it yes it took me a few again i probably listened to it all the way through yeah maybe three or four times and then come back just piecemeal a few times but again took me a few times to get to get into the lyrics because like some hip-hop albums with us there are just it's a large amount of lyrics first of all but but it's they're very there's a lot of different themes yeah and when you get into things that are kind of personal reflection it can be kind of abstract too nothing nothing's really there are some narrative moments but nothing's or it's not all a straight narrative and it touches on some kind of vague ideas that that people could relate to you know like uh you know going to a party or crashing on someone's couch or you know doing some shrooms or you know all sorts <laughs> of other things being in heartbreak Um, but then there's some specific things like when the the one track I really like it was called Nights and there's almost like a second part to it I was reading the lyrics and lyrically there's there's a lot of consistency but musically about two thirds of the way it kind of totally switches musically but in that second part he talks about a lot of things that specifically people have gone through like when Katrina hit I had to switch campuses Mm. (laughs) and uh, you know sleeping on your on your mattress when I didn't have an address, you know, mm. um, and you know, doing what I was, what I could do to get out of Texas. He touches on at, at least that one instance and other things, very, very specific points in in recent American history. Yeah, that I'm sure many many people could relate to.
0: We've talked a number of times about how authenticity seems to make it seems to always be an element of a great album. Um, and I think the the inclusion of like the voicemail from his mom hmm. <laughs> fits well with an album where he he gets pretty personal at times. Yep. There are some points where it, it almost feels like he's talking about some things with some lament. It's not just like a yes,
1: oh yeah, enough, oh geez, uh,
0: gangster rap album that's like kind of glorifying, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, or or, or life on the streets, or spinner rims, things like that. You, you know, there's some like some tension in some of the things that he's singing about and um, and i think that like voicemail from his mom where she's telling him like don't just be your own self don't do drugs don't listen to what other people want you to do and you know chased by some songs where he's sort of like looking back almost retrospectively on his life wondering if he did the right thing makes it almost feel like biographical in a way that that artists aren't always as transparent
1: as what we're here <laughs> yeah it's or it's the, really that posturing
0: pretty vulnerable yeah yeah it doesn't feel like swagger it feels like a, a lament almost uh at times at least and uh, yeah like, yes that, that's really that's really an interesting choice again uh, feels like a very intentional one. Oh, to, for sure to do that and to hold that uh as we go through Uh, the other piece about the lyrics that I was surprised by is there's a lot of references to God, not always like the most uplifting, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but lots of like, lots of religious language.
1: uh, Yes. I I did hear some religious language for sure.
0: And I can't always decipher what he's referencing when he includes it. Again, it also feels very intentional, like woven with, there's a line about like long gear or something like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, oh, that is from is that Skyline 2 Making sweet love, taking time till God strikes us. Yeah. That's a pretty. That's a pretty effing fast year flew by. Yeah. That's a pretty long third gear in this car. You know, it's just like.
0: <laughs> so there's like the, some awareness of a divine something out there, but it's like often sort of mixed in with, you know, making love. And, driving fast and regret remorse I don't know it's a a really fascinating kind of blend of themes
1: one thing I picked up on on at least two tracks um, and this is one of them in Skyline 2 he mentions the summer a couple times in this track and in at least one other track I felt like that was a theme and and especially for I mean Frank Ocean's I'm not sure how old he is when, when he releases this I think the summer especially for young people is there's just a lot of tropes around the summertime right like yeah like it's it's kind of a magical time because it's it's a break from all your routine all sorts of different things happen you go on trips you go to camp you, you get a different job you hang out with your friends you know you have uh, you have romances and then the the end there's a lot of songs about the end of the summer right because mm-hmm it could be very abrupt. (laughs) And I think he used okay, so he's actually not that much younger. He's only five years younger than we are, (laughs) but he was in his late twenties when he put this album. Yeah, he would have been, he would have been in his late twenties and, and still, you know, some of that youthfulness. And so, so I feel like just that, that idea, the theme of the summer uh, tied in with the kind of the emotional themes and relationships and, and, um, wrestling with your emotions and your mental, awareness uh comes up a lot yeah i didn't pick up on on the on the on the religious talk as as much but i'll have to go back because and that's another thing that i wanted to say uh, not necessarily in conclusion but as we move through it like i feel like i there's still so much uh for me to glean from this album like i like i have listened to it as much as i can in the last little while but i feel like there's there's still a ton to discover and I think yeah. the biggest part of that for me is the lyrics. Like, go, It's an album where I want to go through and read them. Like, mm, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know about you, but a lot of times if I'm like, I listen to it at work a lot and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing other stuff on the computer and I've just got it on. It's not the best time to just sit and read the lyrics. I, my employers probably yeah. wouldn't yeah. wouldn't appreciate that either. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> What'd you do today, Mike? Well, <laughs> listen to an album and read, read the lyrics the whole time, but... No, there's 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 just a ton. There's a ton of different themes. There's uh, as you're talking about, you know, him talking about God and not always in a positive light. I was thinking, there's a lot of different words I could use to describe this album. Uh, Happy is not one of them, (laughs) or you know, (laughs) joyful or hopeful or you know, uh, pretty much almost any positive word. It's it's not. Always directly, you know, depressive or you know, here's no. this horrible thing that happened. But it's it's all very, you know, it's it's definitely got a, a kind of a downer feel to it. A bit melancholy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That feel to it, and and with the with the music too. You just it's just kind of this kind of looming, floating <laughs> kind of thing. Instead of there's nothing. There's not a lot musically that's very sharp or hard, right Ben? Like it's not mm-hmm. like it's all very gray. <laughs> not blonde, gray. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think that's about all I've got on the music. I mean, I could ramble on, but but it's just it's it's very in conclusion for me, <laughs> it it's very compelling, it's very interesting, it's very thought-provoking and it's extremely different, especially for for me and I think for you as well. Um yeah. Which which is again, which is exciting. Well said so one thing we haven't done yet uh is pick our favorite tracks if you're new to this podcast we have a playlist on spotify it's called sound logic favorites we pick two tracks from each album we review we got to pick two from this one ben do you have one in mind i want to put you on the spot Um, although i guess at this point we should know this is coming i think ivy is my
0: choice oh okay I don't know if it's just getting off of the falsetto of track one, but track two always like pulls me in in a way that track mm. one did not, and starts to get me into the album. You know, we often uh, highlight that a lot of these great albums have really good tracks to kick things off. I'm not sure that I'd say that about Nike's, although it does <laughs> it does paint a picture that this is going to be something a little different. I think it's that longing for something to make a little bit more musical sense for what i think is musically sensible ivy feels a little bit more than that although there's some wild vocalization at the end of that track that that really does (laughs) step outside of the norms right Uh, but but i'll go with
1: that one i actually have had a hard time picking one i will will give honorable mention to pink and white uh, to nikes i'm i gravitate toward a lot of the tracks with with a a drum kit (laughs) In them, pink and white. Just for our listeners,
0: is the most listened to track on okay. Spotify for this yep. album, so it is a popular one.
1: I think it's it's um maybe the most radio friendly, the, the most poppiest of them. Uh, I, I like Skyline too. I like White Ferrari uh, with the you know the, the Beatles. That, that's from my favorite Beatles album. So I've got to <laughs> yeah, I got to mention. it. I think the one I'm going to go this way. The one that's been stuck in my head the most is Solo. And I was actually surprised after listening to the album a couple times when I went and usually I'll listen to it first and then go and do some research just so I can kind of listen to it with, with virgin ears without having any kind of bias or reading anything about it. I was sure that solo would have been the lead single. Uh, it mm-hmm. just kind of yeah, had that yeah. feel and, and I feel like it really, it feels like almost a, a like a focal point of the album almost. almost like it got a lot of the components with you know pink and white is is almost too different than the rest of the album like it's it's kind of a standout pop tune but that doesn't really reflect most of the album i feel like solo does that much better and i think it represents the album as a whole very well both musically and lyrically so uh, i'm gonna go with solo i like ivy too that's good and the open yeah it's it's i i like you ben i it's growing on me like it's really growing on me like it's I want to listen to it more once I've done kind of you know the the kind of academic <laughs> exercise of it I, uh-huh. I'm not sh- I'm not sure how much I will come back to it necessarily I think That's I might crazy. for some tracks but I've just it is really really growing on me in a way that I really didn't think it would mm-hmm. uh, I I think it, it reminds me of Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly Hmm. The first time I listened to it, I was like, is this what hip-hop is now? You know, even even though it was like like already five years old when I listened to it. But I was like, I'm not a hip-hop fan to begin with, even with hip-hop that I'm familiar with. You know, when we listened to like Wu-Tang, you know, and and, and even Kanye, I was like, yeah, I don't, this this has got me out of my element. And then to listen to that, which is just like, just so new to me and just so different from everything else for the last 20 years in hip-hop i listened to the first time the first three tracks and turned it off because i was like i i don't even know what to make of this (laughs) uh, i don't think i'm gonna like this at all and i kept listening to it and then it really grew on me but it took a while yeah and it's actually one that i will come back to from time to time every once in a while i'll go i haven't listened to pimple butterfly in a while let's uh Mm. Let's put that on. Sometimes I'll just pick and choose a few tracks. Sometimes I'll listen to the whole thing. But it's one I have come back to from time to time. Again, not it's not my favorite album. It's not one that I have a lot on. It hasn't really inspired me to listen to the rest of his catalog yet. Although we will we will do some of that through this uh, project. But but it really grew on me, and and I think part of it is that it's so compelling, and I get this a very similar. I feel like. I'm going through it again <laughs> with this yep. with yep. this Frank Ocean album that it's yeah. like it's taken a while but it's really really growing yeah. on me. Yeah, um, I can see that. So it's um if you're into Frank Ocean if you're into music like this it's probably one you really enjoy. If you kind of listen to some R&B, some pop, some hip hop, I I highly recommend that you check this out um, and give it, you know, give it more than, I'd say give it a shot. Give it more than one shot. Like, listen to it a few times. Uh, Listen to it and put it away and come back to it a few days later. It's um, There's a lot, a lot waiting here for you. But we have a little more to talk about. (laughs) as much as i feel like we're we're winding down we have a few more things to go through and one of the next questions we ask is is what has aged well and what hasn't and i almost feel (laughs) like it's a little too recent a release to really talk about right right because we're kind of still in this moment where a lot of these sounds so i guess the question is well it's still very relevant because a lot of the sounds and ideas and certainly ideas around more with kind of the lead up and more of his personal life i guess than specifically in the album. but ideas of gender and masculinity and you know sexuality and sex and and drug use you know like you know even in canada in the last few years now marijuana is legal so this new generations coming up don't have the same stigma around you know recreational drug use yeah that even we have right and when we hear a lot of these ideas coming through so i think i think it's as much as it hasn't aged much it has aged well because a lot of it is it's still just very relevant i think the biggest thing is that even in its context in its time it's very very different so it'll be interesting to see and i guess the other question in in this instance is how do we think it will age (laughs) um and and i'm not sure i don't know what do you think about that all that
0: my hunch is that history will view this in the same way that we view something like the Velvet Underground Mm -hmm. I I knew you were going to say that (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely Absolutely. something we come back for comfort like oh I really love the you know the Beatles Sgt. Pepper's album so I'm going to go back to those warm fuzzies again but this will be something that inspires people for, for generations and makes them think outside
1: the box and beyond what's possible absolutely i i totally agree so we come to our the, the question the namesake of our podcast was it sound logic now this is yeah this is the 79th best album ever yeah what do you think about that i i was surprised to see this one here
0: i had heard a little bit more from my peers a little bit more chatter about channel orange his debut okay I was surprised to see this one come up first because I, I hadn't heard much about this one. We're about to turn 40 this year, so it's not like I'm <laughs> young and hip and with it. Uh, just the fact that I said that probably ages me some. So I guess I yeah I, I don't really know whether this feels appropriate. Um, I, I don't love when albums get included for their the way that they've inspired others. Like I want them to be both inspirational and great and comforting and yeah. um, something to return to. And I, I get the feeling in very granted a very, very few listens that this is an album that, that, that pushes people to imagine what else music can be. Not necessarily an album. You just sit back and relax to that makes me hesitant to say that it sh- it's deserve- deserving of like a top 100, ranking um yeah i i don't know i'm i'm it's making me want to go to channel orange now and see how they compare i, yeah. I know it's coming up so um, we will eventually get to that one too um right i, I guess i'm fine with it here uh, a younger generation proved to me why it should be here <laughs> and uh we'll leave it at that
1: right when this list was released this album was just four years old yeah and there were some other albums that were even younger but they appeared later in the rankings and I think the best thing we compare this to we can compare this to is To Pimp a Butterfly which came out in the same year which is ranked number I think 19 as much as I was a little surprised to see an album so recent, these in the top 20, I saw the ripples it made in kind of the, the, the racial equality movement, uh, justice movement, just still showing the differences in, in, in uh, you know, treatment of black people in the US drugs sexuality i saw those themes so overtly and they really made an impact i mean we talked to daryl foster and he was like yeah this this is like, is like this is, like, is family cookout me, music for us and i was like i was i said to him, i said really like like your parents and your aunts and uncles and your grandparents oh yeah like we we love this stuff you know like 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 a song like all right like it's like it's like a it's like a theme not to sound make it sound or cliche, cliche it's like a theme song you know it's like a, it's a rallying song so i saw the, the impact of that and that makes sense i don't quite see that here we see the critical acclaim we see how innovative and and how it pushes you know some of these cultural ideas and lyrically does that musically it's very different if you listen to us you know we don't preliminary research we, we don't spend hours and hours and hours researching and interviewing we do a little bit mostly through yeah. Wikipedia okay so I didn't see a ton about artists saying how much it influenced them but there was a lot from critics saying how impressed they were with it how they felt it was bold courageous other artists saying you know they were proud of him for expressing his, his feelings and his, his personality I mean, well, you through the album so i think that's really important i still struggle with it being quite so high at even top 100. i think i would have been comfortable with it and, and i expected albums like this to be further yeah. down you know yeah. albums like you know uh billy eilish's album and, and harry styles uh fine line you know both from 2019 you know less than a year old when the list came out further on down in the ranking that makes sense because like this is going to make a difference in the next few years like we we are anticipating that when we do a list again in 10 years or even five years that these albums people will be voting and saying this is one that affected me Mm. yeah big time and to have this one here at 79 i feel like it hasn't quite had that it it hasn't as much as pimp a butterfly did in the same time span i don't know that this maybe it has maybe maybe we're just i mean i'm I'm,
0: circles i mean it's hard to say (laughs) i was just gonna
1: say i'm happy for people to to tell me i'm wrong and tell me why i i have no problem with that and that's why you know it again we didn't really pursue a guess super hard on this one um it would have been nice to have someone a little more in tune with it uh to help us out but um it feels a little high but again in a few years it wouldn't shock me if it it, you know more and more stuff like this comes out more people say you know it inspired me to make this album you know and that album becomes like and hey it was a number one like it went to it was number one you know in eight eight countries like it's not like it wasn't successful it was I I just I guess I'm just struggling I haven't seen it or read it or whatever so so I need someone to show me that (laughs) But there's certainly a ton there. It's just some things take a little while for their influence to really permeate, and then when it does, it's so obvious. Like you know, even even you mentioned the Velvet Underground, and then like ten years later, the punk movement Mm and the and the and the post-punk movement and all that stuff coming directly from what the Velvet Underground did, you know, in '67. Maybe we'll see something like that, but that's just speculation. Yep. The last thing we like to talk are there any other albums? And he's only released one other (laughs) album. And you mentioned his debut in 2012, Channel Orange. It does appear uh, not too far away, 148. So maybe in the next couple of years we'll get to that one. Um, And and I am I am curious as well because I think that right away after his first album, you know, the next year he's working with Pharrell Williams, he's working with with Andre 3000 and Kanye West. So that had to be. Uh, groundbreaking enough to get the attention of these yeah, other people, right? Yeah. And, you, and you said you've heard, you've seen more commentary on that album. So I'm very curious about that one. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm excited this and we'll talk name? about uh, Mr. One one Ocean one more time. Oh, and that's the last thing. This is your last tidbit this before we go. His name change is directly inspired by the 2001 film, one of my favorites, Ocean's Whoa, 11. That's where I was going to make he... a joke at the that beginning is... of the
0: episode about how we're reviewing nope. an Ocean's oh, 11 you... soundtrack and no, that's the
1: But he he has gone on the record to say it it his name change is directly inspired by by that movie.
0: Wow. so There you go.
1: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you come back next time what we got up next week, Ben next time we'll be uh
0: revisiting an old favorite uh we'll be getting back to our high school punk music days when we tackle uh (laughs) 1977's never mind the bollocks here's the sex pistols by of course the sex pistols it comes in at number 80 after taking a 39 spot hit uh from the old list but uh we'll we'll revisit that review and um, we'll see what new thoughts we might have as well
1: uh featuring our special guest your your seminary professor mr barry taylor so um we're uh, looking forward to to uh, chatting about that a little bit and re-releasing our review until that time we hope you continue to be well we hope you take care of yourselves and those around you and of course we certainly hope you'll join us next time right here on the sound logic podcast thanks for listening everyone